1: Right now, we're going to get back into a conversation we've had uh, several times on the air as we search for a solution. And uh, like I say, it's kind of frustrating because we act like, you know, we're off newly unexplored territory when it comes to dealing with the opioid crisis. And, and a number of the guests we've had on will tell you we're not. We're not. There are things that work, but we sort of get focused, like depending on what stance you take on this issue that dictates how you take the other issue and, and we, we even you know disregard some components of this and and that is the major problem we can't we need to take a look at the crisis in its entirety and recognize that there's a million different parts that go into it and they all need to you know we need to pay attention to all of them we're going to chat with dr vincent lamb he's a physician an addictions physician and an author. Uh, his new novel, On the Ravine, is about the opioid crisis, and it will be published later this month. Dr. Lamb, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time.
0: Glad to be here. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, looking forward to the book, On the Ravine, coming out uh, to be published later this month. But you've written already extensively about the opioid crisis, including a piece that was in uh, Globe and Mail earlier this week. Um, you That's talk about how... you know. Heart. Pardon me? It's a topic that's dear to my heart. Yeah, I think it is to a lot of us, and it's one that I think is so frustrating for a lot of us, but I really like the approach that you took in sort of saying, you know what, we get tunnel vision, or we get focused on one part of the crisis and ignore all of the other parts, and that's where the big issue was. Walk us through the analogy, the elephant analogy, as you laid it out.
0: Sure, the elephant analogy is a parable. Your listeners may have heard it. There's a few blind people. They're in a room with an elephant. They don't know what an elephant is like, and so they each grab a different part, the tusk, the legs, the tail, and they try to describe it to one another, and then they disagree because they think, oh, a tusk is like a certain thing. It's sharp and pointy. A leg is big and strong. The opioid crisis is like this. There are different parts to it. They do interact, but it's important to see the whole of it. It's important to think about prevention as well as to think about treatment.
1: And, and that's sort of, it's one or the other. And even when it comes to treatment, we have diverging avenues on how to go about that. And if you go one way, that means you have to completely ignore the I mean, let's, let's back it up, though, and talk about how we got into this situation in the first place and, and now what we can do in terms of prevention, because we've learned a lot,
0: doctor. Sure. So for each person, the journey is going to be a little bit different. But what I can tell you is that for the large majority of my patients, The opioid use disorder that they struggle with when they come and see me is the second or the third or the fourth problem. The problem started somewhere else, and that may have been with pain, with anxiety, with depression, with untreated mental illness. Maybe they couldn't get the care they really needed. Maybe they didn't have a family doctor, but at one point before they came to see me, a pill seemed like a quick fix, Mm -hmm. until it wasn't. So this is a key thing. I teach trainees in this field at can in toronto and i can tell you that one of the things which really surprises them is that the okay use disorder is rarely the first problem it's usually the second or third or fourth thing
1: have we uh, and like you say uh back in the day the, the the pill was the quick and easy solution not just for the patient but for the doctor in a lot of cases we they were handed out quite readily have we learned enough to sort of be a lot more judicious about how we dispense these drugs
0: You make a great point. So about 20 years ago, when I first became a doctor, the message, which was wrong, was that, look, you can prescribe Percocets, you can prescribe Oxycodone. It's quote, safe, right? And that masked many of our failings as a healthcare system. We were failing to give people appropriate rehab for painful injuries. We still are in many cases. We were failing to make sure that people really had a good pathway to deal with chronic pain, a pathway that didn't necessarily rest on opioids. And so because we reached that quick fix, and that was very much promoted by manufacturers of opioids about 20 odd years ago, we very much spawned the seeds of the situation that we're in now. So I have many patients, not all, but many patients who first used opioids 20 odd years ago. Mm -hmm. And today they come in to see me because it's been a long trajectory. And so you're absolutely right. The reach for the quick fix at an individual level is something which really has paralleled the reach for the quick fix at a systemic level. And so we have to learn from that. We have to prioritize primary care. We have to figure out how to give people the mental health care they need and the pain care they need, which in many cases does not come in the form of a pill. And so this is a very important thing we have to think about as a health care system, in addition to making sure that people who have a problem with opioids now get the best possible care so they can function and have meaningful lives within society. Now, that's the prevention side of it. Uh, once, uh,
1: and we know in so many instances, we've moved past that, obviously, and we're at the treatment and trying to save the lives stage of the way that unfolds. Um, same issue, right? Sort of focused on one solution or the other or not, I shouldn't say solution, but one strategy uh, and neglecting others and even arguing with each other about which way. If you believe that, you can't believe
0: this. Sure, and that's been part of the narrative, and that is so unfortunate. You're absolutely right. There's a, there's a you know, this or that kind yeah. of narrative. I think we need multiple approaches, yep. but we have to really center our approaches on those that actually have science, and we have to make sure we're maximizing the utility of those approaches. And so the approaches that have the best science are what we call OAT, opioid agonist therapy, the main treatments there are buprenorphine and methadone. Slow release oral morphine is also within that umbrella of mm-hmm. OAT. And that's got the strongest science. So when we look at all those trials together and put them all together in something called a meta analysis, which was done a couple of years ago, what we find out is that the chances of dying are approximately cut in half during times that someone is on one of those treatments, and this refers to methadone and buprenorphine, um, versus times they're not. You're actually pretty fortunate in Alberta. I think most of your listeners are in Alberta because there's actually a province-wide virtual opioid dependence program. And if people aren't aware of this, if your listeners um, are interested in it, it's VODP.ca. V-O-D-P dot C A. Okay. V O D P.
1: And that's the the replacement
0: therapy you're talking about. Yeah. So so that's a pathway to get care, and one of the things which is used is probably the cornerstone, and as it should be, is opioid replacement therapy. As someone who deals with this and deals
1: with patients struggling with um, opioid addiction, um, you know full well that that may work for one. But there's another strategy that may work for somebody else. And I was interested in reading your piece. You know, some people will come and say that, you know, this works for me. And it's like, great, then do it. And somebody else will say that didn't work for me, but this did. Okay, then do it. I mean, that just seems like common sense to me, doctor. But there's so many people who say, oh, no, 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 no. We can't offer that. We can't do that. I mean, there's not a one size fits all approach here.
0: You're absolutely right. People are individuals. They have human desires, human needs. And so it's, it's so true that one approach might work for someone and not for someone else. But here's what we have to think about, right? We have to think, is there a downside? Is there a risk to others? So the example I used in my article was to say, look, if you go to Narcotics Anonymous and you love it, then great, great. it's ongoing. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work for you, maybe you should try smart recovery, or maybe you should try individual counseling. These are, are all going to be very individual preference options And no one is really going to be injured by these, right? So one of the difficult points of contention is that right now, there are lots of people within this country who really feel that what we need is something called PSAT, so Public Supply of Addictive Drugs. That also goes by the name Safe Supply. And there, the challenge is this. The challenge is that it may be that one person feels very strongly that it helps them, and yet we know when these programs are in place, the pills don't necessarily stay where they're prescribed. This is well recognized, that some of the pills travel into the community. It's called diversion, which means sharing or selling. Same thing with methadone and, and suboxone too, right? It's absolutely true. It happens with methadone and buprenorphine, to a far lesser degree. Right. Because they have some fundamental differences in the molecule. You know, but in all of those instances, we then have to think okay, you know, now we're potentially doing something that's potentially a downside to the community. So now we have to approach that in a very different way than we would approach the advice around attending NA or smart recovery. Right. Where we would say, look, try it out. If it doesn't work, you know, that's okay. Don't yeah. get off your back, try something else. Because we know there isn't really a big downside, whereas when we start prescribing substances that can travel beyond the domain within which they were prescribed, there are potential downsides. We know that because we learned that from Percocet and Oxycodone 20 years ago. So we have to pay attention to that lesson. How, what I mean, like we, we, this is a ridiculous question given the fact
1: that you and I have just talked about so much about how there's not a one size fits all approach here. But wh- what strategy would you like to see us adopt at the provincial levels, uh, nationally, um, to try and stem the deaths? Really, I mean, what what do you think we're doing wrong? What what should we be doing differently?
0: Well, we have to start by making sure that the most evidence based therapy is available and easily available to anyone who wants it. So we're far from meeting that mark, and that really has to be the starting point. That's exactly what we would do if someone had diabetes, if a whole bunch of people had asthma, if a whole bunch of people had heart disease, we would say, okay, what's the most science-based therapy? Let's really make sure that everyone who has that problem and wants to get treated has access to the most science-based therapy. Then we also have to recognize that people are in tough spots. So people struggle with not having housing or having housing that's really not suitable. People struggle with trying to find meaningful daily activities. So work, school, relationships that matter. So we have to think about that. And the good news is actually, to your intro, we know a lot of what we could and should be doing. Mm -hmm. So there was a project on supported housing at home, chez and so that was a nationwide project working on um, the topic, how can we help folks who need support in terms of housing? And they found that you can actually do this in a very cost-effective manner with better outcomes, but it requires political will, it requires commitment, it really requires belief that people who are in a tough spot can be helped to get to a better spot it's not that we don't know what to do or how to do it we know right we
1: do we have to do it yeah yeah uh dr lamb thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate you being here